We're going to open up the Locked On 49ers mailbag today. We got questions about the 49ers draft, questions on how the 49ers can keep Debo and Brandon Ayuk, which is a big topic of conversation right now, and tons more on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Peacock. Yeah, yeah. I, the the audience they didn't have the pleasure of hearing us have a conversation after uh, last night's episode or mm-hmm. when we recorded last night's episode, and the discussion was surrounding Dorian Thompson Robinson and, and kind of like what he is and still keeping that conversation going uh, as it pertains to the quarterback position and trying to find that guy. Well, as I was doing studying on a certain safety from Cal, so we could talk about him on a, a, a near uh, episode coming up. I think I watched the, episode, the next episode, we're going to be talking mid-round yeah. safeties for the 49ers, maybe third-round safeties. It's a need for the 49ers for sure, and, and Cal's, uh, Daniel Scott is one of those guys. Well, I watched Daniel Scott against, you guessed it, UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I obviously, while watching him, couldn't help but notice Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and I, I don't know if he's on the 49ers' radar. They might just have their guys, but it's clear they have to add a quarterback. Now, what kind of quarterback that is? Is it someone that could potentially threaten the guys they currently have? I don't know if that's what they're looking for, but I walked away from just that game because, again, I watched him live a lot, and I'm like, man, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's a gamer, and he's got some good stuff, and then we talked about the experience, and he's played five years of college football, tons of ups and downs, finished really strong. We saw his completion compression uh, continue to rise. Uh, We saw him really have his best year this past season, and, and UCLA had a real good year. Anyways, I watched him against Cal, and I came away with saying, he's, I, I think he he's, he can play. I think he's a gamer. So I can't wait to dive deeper into him and potential fourth quarterbacks uh, that the 49ers might have coming into camp because you definitely can't have only two healthy quarterbacks throughout the entire camp. Uh, they'll add a guy. Maybe it's a guy like Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, and we're going to have a quarterback episode because the 49ers will be, whether it's undrafted free agent, late-round draft pick, they're going to add a quarterback to the mix because they need at least another camp arm at the very minimum. And who knows, that camp arm can become the next Brock Purdy. So, right. you know, why not draft the guy too? And and, and uh, that's going to be an episode. Safeties is next. we got tight ends coming as well, and we're going to be mocking or we're going to be scouting the mock drafts whenever we see an interesting mock draft as well that goes deep enough to – show some projections for San Francisco 49ers draft picks. But since you brought up quarterbacks and uh, we do have a question here, Croc, uh, about the quarterback position and if there might be a potential breakout player on the San Francisco 49ers roster at wide receiver because of the quarterback position, how that all comes together. This from Chris on Twitter. He says at Eric underscore Crocker at BD Peacock. Great job on the podcast. Thank you very much, Chris. A lot of talk this week about the quarterbacks, and it has me thinking about the tools available to help the quarterbacks, specifically Danny Gray. Does his speed and role require a quarterback with elite arm talent? I, I think where he's at right now, it 
it's either you're going to get him on drag routes or you get him where he just runs away from everybody and you have a big cannon of an arm to just throw it out there away from defenders. Remember Cam Newton, right? And I talked about even Trey Lance and what he might need. But what they surrounded Cam Newton with was, especially like MVP years and in and, 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 and that kind of era, Travis, ben, uh, Travis Benjamin, what is it? Benjamin, the big Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin. There we go. Kelvin Benjamin. All right. Six five six six receiver. Huge catch radius. Devin Funches. Six five six 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 seven receiver. Huge catch radius. And Taggart Jr. Straight line speed. I'm just gonna outrun everybody. So hey, I don't have to be pinpoint accurate when I can just kind of throw it in in the area of two six six guys and then just throw the ball further than anybody can run with Ted Ginn. So can tie it back into Danny Gray. Right now for Danny Gray, he's more closer to Ted Ginn in the sense of just straight line speed guy, maybe not going to be a high target uh, share type of guy, right? And what I identify with him coming out of college, and he can improve on it this offseason. So I, as, I, as I answer this question now, he could be working on the things I felt like he needed to work on heading into last year, which is, he did not play to his 4-3-3 speed in route uh, when it came to running stop routes uh, or anything that is kind of underneath, slants, whatever. I did not think that he set up guys very well. And when you watched him against certain corners, especially the Houston game, and they had two good corners, man. Marcus Jones, there was another one. But he did, they never felt threatened. They guarded him like he ran a 4-6 on the outside as opposed to somebody that ran a 4-3-3. So if he can truly understand how to use the threat of his speed in route for underneath or stop routes and things like that, free himself up at the line of scrimmage with more quick twitch, then, yes, eventually he can be more of a guy that maybe doesn't even ha need a quarterback that has a big rocket arm. But I think right now, if he continues to be what he was from my evaluation of him coming out of college, and it's just that, an evaluation of a guy coming out of college, you can go up, you can go down, whatever the case is, there's a lot more to his game that he can add. And it's on him to add those necessary things. And I think sometimes with a lot of these receivers, when they're coming out of college or whatever, it's like, hey, I've been winning on speed when I do win, so oh, I'm good. And then they work with guys that just kind of don't really dial into the the quick game part of it, especially when you run a 4-3-3. So Henry Ruggs, we saw that with him. I mean, he was a blazer, right? He could catch a slant, take it to the crib. He could outrun guys. But he kind of struggled to free himself up consistently. You saw those struggles continue early on in his career at the NFL level. I think that's what Danny Gray is uh, working, uh, going through right now and has to really work the rest of that craft to become who I think fans ultimately believe he can be. Yeah, and, and the speed is is real. You see it. Like, he's got that speed. So just – and it takes wide receivers a while in the NFL. The 49ers rookie class from 2022 – there's a lot of potential for breakouts here in 2023 and year two. And that's when you really see the biggest growth in an NFL player's career from year one to year two. And then from year two to year three, you know, that first three year window of your career, you start to find out who guys are. And uh, there's a reason why we didn't see much from him last year. And not just because you have Debo, Ayuk, and all these other guys. If you can get a four, three, three guy on the field, trust me, he, he'd be on the field. So it's, we saw that because even yeah. though he's the fourth wide receiver, you know, there just wasn't enough 
there wasn't enough snaps for him. And you would see him get a handful of snaps here and there in a game and, you know, sometimes just running off coverage or whatever. So if he can start to prove that he deserves to be on the field more and be put in certain situations, more packages. And so we'll see, because he's very different than you couldn't be more different between uh, Juwan Jennings and, um, and Danny Gray. You can't have two more different receivers. So I think there could be a lot of different packages going on, even behind Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel at wide receiver there, if he can earn those spots. Um, but the the speed is real, but hitting, being a good receiver down the field has as much to do with ball skills and, and you know, getting open, getting open late in the route as it does with pure speed and pure speed definitely helps. And throwing deep balls, which is part of the question here about, do you need a big armed quarterback? It does help to have a big arm to get the ball down the field, but ball placement and touch are also pretty important because almost every NFL quarterback can throw the ball 50, 60 yards right. in the air down the field. It's it's what the what the tra- trajectory looks like on those passes. I think back to, uh, remember, Jeff Garcia. He had to give full effort on every throw, and if he threw the ball 50 yards down the field, it was kind of on a line because he just didn't, have the, didn't have the arm to really get it there over the top and have a lot of touch on some of those throws. And I think it did frustrate some of the 49ers receivers at the time, especially guys who were used to catching passes their entire career from Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And you see Joe Montana. He wasn't the biggest, strongest guy with the hugest arm, but he threw a beautiful deep ball. A guy like Kirk Cousins throws a really good deep ball. He doesn't have a cannon of an arm. So, no, the answer is you don't have to have a big arm, but it does help to get the ball further down the field, get the ball into places that maybe another quarterback can't. And that's one of the differences between Brock Purdy and – Trey Lance is Trey Lance has shown the ability, the ability to drive some throws into some places, put the balls into some places that Brock Purdy, maybe the ball hangs up a little bit on him. Although Brock Purdy has enough arm and has shown some touch to be able to throw the ball uh, and, and make some deep throws. It's all going to be predicated on how Gray works in this offseason. Because if I asked you right now, right, you see Danny Gray in the game, what is he doing? And you're probably going to say he's either clearing it out for underneath guys or he's just going deep in general. And if we know that, then the defense knows that until they start utilizing him in a different way. So I, I, I asked this, I said this before, and I'm like, man, I don't know who he's going to be, but based off of, again, college and what I thought some of his deficiencies might say be. I said this before the season. I think he's closer to A.J. Jenkins than he is a um, the kid out of the, Mike Wallace, right? Uh, I think it was closer to A.J. Jenkins than Mike Wallace. People are like, man, no. What? But A.J. Jenkins was somebody who I was a little bit surprised to see that he ran a 4-3 when he was coming out. And this was before I was really diving into the film. I'm like, eh, it doesn't quite look like a 4-3. I think what I was seeing was maybe quite somebody that doesn't truly understand how to use the threat of their speed on every route. And you you, you kind of got to learn, learn that part, and it's tough. And until he does... He'll continue to be closer to A.J. Jenkins than he is Mike Wallace, a guy who does have speed, still straight line speed, but still can win on other routes. It's going to be fun. Uh, I, I love the year two 49ers coming back. Drake Jackson, Danny Gray, even the undrafted guys like Poe. Nick Sigel, six-round pick, has an opportunity to carve out a career for himself with the 49ers. Tons of rookies from last year that have a chance to take that next step this year. And, uh, you know, Spencer Burford already got a starting job, and now there's no there's – no, Splitting time for him. He's, he is the starter on the 49ers offensive line, maybe even a tackle. Who knows? So, um, really fun year for the 49ers to watch those year two players and see how they develop and who's going to stick around and, and be a big part of this San Francisco 49ers team. And Danny Gray sure has uh, some ability to be able to be one of those guys for sure. All right, next. More questions about the 49ers draft, where they could go in 2023, and will they stick around at pick 99 or maybe be on the move in the draft next? <laughs> 
Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. NBA playoffs almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel and bet on the early exit for those Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> in the playoffs. America's number one sports book because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, Super easy to use. Then bet on everything. Money line, point scores, three-pointers drained. I love the draft props available. Of course, there's NBA bets. You can still make futures bets at FanDuel. More on that in a minute about uh, win totals that are now out, out there for the San Francisco 49ers and the rest of the NFL in 2023. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Look at those point totals, Croc. Have you seen the point totals for the San Francisco 49ers? Tied for the most points, or the win totals, excuse me. Tied for the most wins projected at FanDuel in the entire NFL. Tied with just the Chiefs and the Bengals at 11 and a half wins. And I put a poll out there on Twitter when these were released yesterday or two days ago. So, Croc, your initial thoughts, 11 and a half wins. We haven't gone through the schedule yet. We don't even know what this team is going to look like fully. They have done enough work in free agency, and I love that, that the 49ers have done that before the draft. I think a lot of teams do, where if you had to go to camp right now and get into a season, you have the positions filled. Now, the rookie class is going to say a lot about it. There's some late free agents you know, in the summer that could change things up as well for the 49ers. But they could go to camp right now if they had to with the players – that they have looking at the San Francisco 49ers, 11 and a half wins. You go in over or under 11 and a half wins in the 2023 season. Gosh, that that's tough. Um, I have, number. it's the highest number in the league. Well, here's my thing on that. Right. I think that shows for all the questions about Kyle Shanahan and people do not care about that. Right. There's been a lot of questions about the quarterback position. Vegas, they don't care about that either. At the end of the day, they know, hey, man, this team is good. Kyle Shanahan, he's a really good coach. We don't care that they got a new defensive coordinator. We don't care that we don't know who the opening day starter is going to be at quarterback position. Can't say the same for the other teams that the 49ers are tied with, right? And I think we just had a whole conversation about the franchise quarterback. Those guys got the franchise quarterback. We don't even know what that is right now with the 49ers. But at the end of the day, they do not care. This is going to be one of the top dogs in the NFL. And I think that's pretty – That's I think that says a lot about Kyle Shanahan. It is hard to take the over on that because again, I still have questions about certain things with the 49ers. I'm like, man, can they can they can they do it again? Right? Can they can they have a slow start and then pick it back up and then just rattle off what was it, eight straight wins, nine, ten straight wins to, to finish the season last year? Like it was hard to get to that number. So I I guess I I I have to take the over. I want to take the under on that because it just like no, there's no way they do it again. But I think they've earned the benefit of doubt that they can get through any type of situation and have a tremendous season. That's tough, though. I, I want to take the under, but I think I'm going to lean over on that based on their track record. There's so many things that can happen in an NFL season and in, in a, and and them not really having a clear picture of the most important position quarterback right now going into the season, as good as the rest of the roster is. I think the smart money on the bet is taking the under – 
because 11 wins is still a really good season and there's not much space to go above that i think if you're you know 12 wins is, is maybe where i'd put the team right now and in my heart i think they're going to go over 11 and a half but i think the smart money is also on the under of 11 and a half but i put the poll but 12 out. and 5 isn't that that like 12 if you just said for now lose five games i'd say that's like that still seems like a decent amount of ales for them the, yeah, but it's also a really good season. You're talking that's a one seed. 12 wins got no, thir- how many wins got the one seed? 13 wins got the one seed, right? In the NFC last year? Uh, I'll look it up while you're talking. So, uh, th- there's not a, you know, a 13 win season and now there's an extra game. So, it's it's hard to get out of the mindset of, you know, 12 and 4 versus 12 oh, and 5. Okay, so I got the records here. Okay. So, in the AFC uh, the top three teams, 14 and 3, 13 and 3, 12 and 4. And, and the 12 and 4 Cincinnati Bengals, who uh, obviously we know that their game between the Buffalo Bills was canceled. So there, there could have been a loss either way to any of those teams. But at the end of the day, the yeah. top three teams had less than five losses. And then in the NFC, the top, gosh, I just, I don't even remember the 49ers winning 13 games. That's crazy. 13. But in, in, in the NFC, there were three teams with less than five, and even the, and the Dallas Cowboys had five. So, I mean, we have four teams that are 12 and five or better. 12 wins are better. Uh, yes, excuse me, 12 wins are better. Yeah, yeah. So the 49ers should be one of those teams. In my heart, I believe it. One little thing could go wrong, though, and are they going to ra- rattle off that? So, they- well, What's that one thing that can go wrong, though, Peacock? It would be the quarterback position, but we've seen that go wrong. We saw it go wrong three times in the season before it really bit them in the butt. Remember when um, when Jimmy Garoppolo was a San Francisco 49er so long ago? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. And QB wins. And everyone talking about, man, the 49ers record when Jimmy Garoppolo is playing is, you know, whatever and whatever. Uh, the 49ers record when Nick Bosa plays is also whatever and whatever. It's a really good record. Nick Bosa, injury, knock on wood. Nick Bosa injury. Wow. So, guys, you, everybody listening right now, if anything happens to Nicky Bosa, you we know me. exactly who we're going to. And and I want y'all to make sure that he hears it if anything happens to Nick Bosa. And how many wins would you say, on average, a Sam Darnold-led football team had in the NFL? Three. So some things can go. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he won six. He won six his rookie. I think he won, they went like – uh, seven, seven and eight or nine is rookie year or something like that. Or early on, and then I believe, uh, yeah, I think they won seven games rookie year. And then last year, he they he actually won some games. But prior to, I mean, like in between, very ugly, very ugly. The the 49ers should win twelve games this year. It would not be an unsuccessful season if they won eleven games though, and we're in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Um. But I, it, that's kind of a bet I would stay away from. But I, I do think the teams that are the best teams, it's not a terrible bet to to take the over on eleven and a half either. But and, a lot of I, but they have, they think the 49ers are one of the best teams, regardless of the quarterback yeah. position. Which tells you what how good the rest of the roster is. All right. Yeah. Next, Croc. There are questions about where the 49ers might go in the draft, what they should do with picks 99, 101, 102 there at the end of the third round. And how does the money work? We've talked about it before, but keep getting questions. Okay. You want to keep Brandon Ayuk and not trade him. How does that work? How does that fit in with Debo Samuel and the cap hits next? 
Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. For your second listen, check out Locked On NFL Scouting, one of the newest podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network with the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. I'm sure you know them. I'm sure you love them. They are really smart dudes and take you through the draft and, and everything involved with team building, free agency. And you can find that podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Peacock and Williamson show on the new YouTube channel as well. Croc, looking at the NFL draft, we've got a question here in the hopper on Twitter from who asked this question. This question was asked from Explosivo, frequent listener to the podcast. He says, at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker, if you were in charge of the 49ers draft, would you package number 99, 101, and 102, all three late third round picks to move up to number 61, is the potential upside of that late second round pick not worth picking again until the fifth round pick 155 using the Jimmy Johnson trade chart there for those values was explosivo. All three third rounders together could get you up to the end of the second round crock. You think that's a, a good plan for the 49ers? No, I, I think the more chances you have, especially for a team who has, they, they, they've gotten some gems in mid rounds and maybe not as lucky in the third, but if you give them three shots in the third, I feel like one of those guys would be a starter as opposed to having one shot at, you know, the back end of the second round to potentially get a starter. So give me three shots in the dark. And I think one of those guys are hit. Now the 49ers have been better in the fifth round than the third round, especially late in the third round. Those comp picks, they've had so many comp picks. They haven't been great with those comp picks late third round. But that doesn't mean I want later picks more than I want earlier picks. I still want the earlier picks. And I it's just I don't think that trend can continue. I, I know that the 49ers are doing good things late round and Things have been a little bit weird sometimes in the earlier rounds and have a lot of hits and a lot of misses, but that doesn't mean I want less of those picks. Um, going up, yes. Moving around, absolutely. I do think the 49ers, and I think they missed an opportunity last year to go up you know, from that that late third-round area to, to maybe find a guy earlier in round three, and I think that's what they should do, but that's going up 10 or 12 picks, not going up you know, a, a, an entire round. You know, Use package one of your fifth-rounders with one of your thirds, go up a little bit, and make sure you get your guy that might be falling that, that you don't think – should be getting to you at around pick 99 or 101 or 102. And, you know, it's just less likely that you're going to find three players you really like in a small cluster there in the third and fifth round. So move around a little bit, maybe get into the fourth round area too, since you have close that gap from late three to round five, but going all the way up and, and packaging all those picks, I would say right now, no, unless, you know, just the right player is there. And, and, you know, would a team even want late three late thirds for a second, even though it matches on the chart, I don't know if a team would want to make that move anyway. I mean, and what is the right, like the right player that late? And, and it's tough because even with, at pick sixty-one, or just late in the second round, I mean, you can, you can hope that oh man, there's you know this guy is gonna hit, but I mean, chances are, I think you're better off taking your shot at three guys than one. And have the 49ers been great with their their trade ups? They have not been great with their trade. I can't think of a good trade up off the top of my head. I There's know definitely one. They traded up for and it didn't make any sense at all. It was like CJ Beathard and uh, uh, was Joe Williams a trade up too? I can't remember. He never played a snap for the 49ers. There was Dante Pettis was a trade up. Um, you know, Trey Lance, we'll see. The jury's out. It's the biggest trade up the 49ers have made. Has not come, uh, the value has not oh, been. Oh, Brandon Ayuk. Here's a trade up. 
There we go. Ayuk. They, they did yeah, hit yeah. on a trade-up. Okay, Ayuk yeah. was a trade-up, and that was a hit. And I was skeptical at the time of that one, too. Um, but that was a hit. So good job. They 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 nailed that one with the, with the trade-up. So, yeah, you can see. I, I'm definitely more of a trade-down than trade-up guy. They don't need to be trading down and collecting picks. They have so many. So, you know, trading up is cool. But trading up too much and giving up all those picks, I think, probably wouldn't be in the cards for the 49ers. Well, they might have they might have more picks to be able to trade back with once they trade Brandon Knight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, then and then you might need to trade up for a receiver, right? Take a receiver, uh, and if you are so out of all these positions, right? Because if you think about like what do the 49ers need, and you might say maybe edge rusher, depending on how you feel about the development of Drake Jackson or or that path. But they did, you know, bring in some guy. Did they bring in Ngakwe? And we not talk about it. No. Why did I see that? I feel like I maybe saw it on my timeline. Maybe somebody said that they should bring in Ngakwe. But even just... I haven't heard about it. Maybe I was dreaming or something. I don't know. I I, I randomly fall asleep and then I just... I don't know. The TV's on. Who knows? (laughs) But um, they have brought in defensive line help, obviously with Hargraves, and and, and they've done some things. But edge rusher still is kind of one of those positions. But I just... Between the edge rusher and, let's say, cornerback, or two positions where people would be like, we need to draft that, or in offensive tackle. You need to draft those guys with the first pick that you have. And I would say, I think you just take best player available because the best at like those positions, like they're going high. So like, give me a safety, because you can find safeties in mid-rounds that come in and are good. Give me a receiver. You can find receivers in mid-rounds that come in and they are good good it's hard for some of these other positions to just be like, oh yeah we're just gonna throw a bunch of resources in the middle of the draft at those guys and it'd be like oh man that was a hit you almost kind of have to get lucky a little bit but receiver safety like those guys they're, they're good throughout the draft absolutely interior offensive linemen tight ends and, and right. a lot of the 49ers needs uh, are in that group offensive tackle and edge is a little bit more difficult but you can find good players there too you just have to look in different places you're not going to find that perfect pretty prospect and, and maybe that's where they would want to move up is to you know get that last offensive tackle that is that does hit every you know physical uh you know metric that they're looking for that that had the production that played at a big school with big against big comp- competition but even those guys it's hard to find them late in the second round so it, it that that'll be difficult Last one here is a question about uh, – you mentioned trading Brandon Ayuk and, and why people talk about it so much is can you afford uh, – You know, the, the Bengals and the 49ers are both going through the same thing right now because they have receivers that are quote-unquote number twos that are really good that other teams could use as maybe a number one wide receiver in T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk, and they might not be able to afford to pay him because other players that they have – that those teams have to pay, and especially guys at that position. So and I've broken this down before on the podcast. How could the 49ers keep both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk cap hit wise? So Debo Samuel's brand new contract. He signed a three-year extension last offseason that kicks in here in 2023. So he's got a three-year extension to 2023, 24, and 25. And the uh, initial dollar amount is $8.6 million this year of a cap hit for Debo Samuel. So, you know, back back loaded. Uh, they kept the, the first year base money down and then the uh, – the signing bonus spread throughout the the three-year contract. So it balloons up next year, 2024 to $28.5 million that Debo's cap hit is. And then the last year of his contract, 2025, it's $24.2 million cap hit. So it does, it does go up big next year, 2024 for Brandon Ayuk. 
Last year, fourth year of his rookie contract, very minimal $3.9 million cap hit this year in 2023. Next year, fifth-year option, that is a formality. 49ers are definitely going to pick up the fifth-year option. They haven't had the the deadline to do that yet, but they will pick up his fifth-year option for 2024. That's $14.1 million. So this offseason, nope, or this season, no problems. It's still, you know, $10 million total between the two. $11 million, 12 between the two, Debo and IU. Cheap as far as wide receivers go to keep them this year 2024 next year that's where things get a little bit difficult fifth year option for iuk 14 million dollars and you got 28 million dollars on the cap for debo samuel so now you're starting to talk uh you know 30 almost 40 million dollars between the two but where they could they where this all could work out together is that when you re-sign iuk for 2024 you could make that deal lower that cap number with the with the negotiation and uh, the restructure of that contract in the fourth year and you could bring those um sorry 43 million dollars yeah 43 million dollars is uh if i'm doing my math here between brandon Ayuk and uh the debo Samuel in 2024 they won't pay those two that much money um but brandon Ayuk, when you do his new deal you could do it in the 2024 before the 2024 season, get that cap number down again. You could restructure Debo's contract if you wanted to add a void year, get his number down. So you could really just, you know, knock that really in half between Debo and NIU can keep them both under the cap for 2024. And then you'd be in good shape. You'd only have one more year left of Debo Samuel's uh, salary. And you're still not paying a quarterback a lot of money. If it's whether it's, um, Trey Lance or uh, Brock Purdy ends up being the guy, right? Especially Brock Purdy. There's no better contract in the league. If Brock Purdy is your starting quarterback for how little he makes is the last pick in the draft. So it can be doable to keep both players together through 2024, but this off season, you don't have to do anything with IU next off season is when they really will start to have to do some gymnastics and ask themselves if they want to keep Brandon IU, or you could even trade, Debo Samuel before that 2025 season when when those numbers would start to clash again and then keep Brandon Ayuk long term and at that point you'd really know who Brandon Ayuk is and if you think his right. he's your number one and then you could send Debo Samuel somewhere else before the last year of his contract or you could even do another deal with Brandon Ayuk and get that 25 2025 number down as well so there's a lot of ways to keep both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, will they keep them both long-term? I don't know, but it doesn't really come to a head with any major decisions until next offseason, but they could still get in front of that if they want to this year, but I just don't see a, a need that they have to. It'd have to be blown away by an offer. That's why when I talked about Croc, uh, about Brand, Brand Ayuk and whether or not they would trade him, it was like, yeah, I mean, it would have to be, we have to be talking about like mid-first round picks, even late first round picks. I'm probably not doing it for Ayuk. You can get that again next year. You also have to remember, too, the receivers in that class that have to get paid. So I'm curious to see how that whole thing kind of plays out because C.D. Lamb, he's in that class. Justin Jefferson, uh, even the other guys that you, you might not think like super highly of, and you're like, oh, man, this guy, he's not he's not on IU's level, but like Michael Pittman. You know, uh, how, what, what what have his numbers been like? And I'll kind of put, put those, pull those up. But you mentioned uh, T. Higgins. You know, that's another guy. Like, th there are guys from that class who they're going to have to get paid. And there we go. P Pittman has had a 1,000-yard season, right? And then last year, caught 99 catches, 
for yeah, 99 receptions for 925. And I think some of his numbers down because the quarterback position. They might like him just as much, if not more, than how the 49ers like uh, you know, uh, Brandon Ayuk. So there are other receivers from that class. It was a really good class. Guys got to get paid. So that might drive up Brandon Ayuk's number and ultimately almost make it more comparable to what you're already kind of paying, Debo, especially as the salary cap rises up. And, I mean, that that that's a lot of money to be allocating towards two receivers. Right. Or, yeah, or you might end up paying him even more than you're paying Debo Samuel because of what we're seeing with, with how these wide receiver contracts are growing and growing and growing, and it's becoming like a premium, premium position now as far as guys getting paid. And this offseason especially – there's a lack of high-end wide receivers in the draft. There was a lack of high-end wide receivers hitting free agency. Um, it, it's it's a good question, and there there are some decisions to be made. Nothing needs to happen right now this offseason, though. So I think it is somewhat premature unless a team blows you away for an offer for for Brandon IU. But things can get very interesting next season when we start to see what some of those contracts are. The 49ers might decide, man, we don't we can't pay Brandon IU. We don't even think he's a $25 million player, but that's what he's going to get and that's what he'll be asking for. And then there's the Brandon That's what IU. the Giants would pay. <laughs> right. And, and then that's what the uh the, the, then there's the Brandon IU factor is he's like, "Oh, I'm ready to go be number 1 somewhere instead of number 4 over here." And so maybe maybe he's just like, "I'm going to play this out." And maybe maybe the 49ers have to go to Franchise tags and then franchise tag might be difficult for the 49ers because then they gotta they can't do any ca- uh, cap gymnastics and and get those salaries down. They gotta pay him that entire amount in that year. And when you got Debo making 28, 24 million dollars, it makes it hard. So uh if, if Brandon Ayuk wants to make the most money, he might want to play it out and try to get to free agency or or get traded to another team. So who knows? We might play this out again next offseason going into 2024 where he pulls the Debo and his agents asking for a trade and all that, you know? So we'll see. It, it, it gets very interesting in 2024, 2023. No problem at all with Brandon. I, you don't got to do anything. Well, the most value though, that you'll get in return for him because of that contract and stuff would be this year. We're like having the, the two years on his contract, essentially with the fifth year option. Like that's when you, okay. For, first round pick, like that's on the table because of that. As opposed to waiting until, well, now he's on the fifth-year option. He's like, well, we trade for him. Now we got to sign him to a big, lucrative contract. We're not giving you as much because we know you're going to be up against the cap. You're going to have to make a decision regardless on between him and Debo. And then are we going to pay him a bunch of money? So for the, for the 49ers, the, the best value is now. Now, as a 49er fan, and you know, if, and we're talking to our listeners now, the fans are going to be like, no, there's no way you let him go. There's no way you trade them now. No, you wait it out. But the value, it definitely won't be as good. And, well, that's the question, too, is if you think he'll still be worth a first-rounder next year, and I think he still would be, is it later first-rounder? And what could you get for him now? And and do you get better now? So I think that we should probably explore that at some point, Croc, before the draft and say, okay, well, what would you take in trade for Brandon Ayuk right now? And what would that offer look like? And then look at the draft and say, okay, what player would we be getting here? Are the 49ers better than they are with Ayuk than if you had this X player instead? I think well, I'll tell you what would make it a little easier. If you can start to, all right, all right, Gray, you know, start to become more of that guy. And then in, whatever, whether it's Ayuk departing or Debo or whatever, but Gray being good would really help. Right. And then, you know, going back into the draft this year, and, and I think the 49ers probably should take a peek. I don't know if one of those third round picks, but 
there might be that might be one of the best players available. They might see a wide receiver and say, oh, we kind of like this wide receiver. And, you know, maybe prepare for life after because you got because it takes some time with those wide receivers. You're drafting a wide receiver now for 2024. You know what I mean? So and, and then by that time, maybe Ayuk is not on the roster. So wide receivers not out of the out of the question for the 49ers right now. And they've got a spot for a guy to compete for that fourth, fifth wide receiver spot, you know, with injuries. Who knows? You might need a guy to to, to step up and do more. Interesting. Uh, let's talk more about that in later episodes and and we'll we'll look at the draft at what player makes the 49ers better and what would be worth it to trade Brandon Ayuk before the before or during the 2023 NFL draft. All right. Thanks everybody for all your questions all the time. Wanted to get to a few of those. We're gonna be scouting safeties tomorrow's episode and scouting tight ends. Soon we'll t- start looking at some quarterbacks, and I, I guess we're gonna have to look at some wide receivers too, Croc. I think that would be smart, and I know that's uh one of your specialties. So, uh, tons of draft stuff coming on Locked On 49ers. Thanks for making us your first listen back tomorrow, right here, Locked On 49ers. <laughs>